0: Ladies and gentlemen, presented by the WZWA Network, it's the Insider's Edge Podcast with your host, California. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge Podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Infuriate. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, I get the opportunity to speak to a guy who's worked with so many people in the pro wrestling business and uh, i can't wait to hear the stories i can't wait to hear about his time and his life and and get to know who he is and what he's all about ladies and gentlemen, this is the one this is the only mr dusty wolf how are you sir doing good how about you i'm doing great my friend and uh, it's a joy to have you with me here tonight or today for you and uh, yeah, it's dusty...
1: really for me yeah you woke me up <laughs> I'm, sunday
0: <laughs> i'm very <laughs> i apologize uh <laughs> no that's all right
1: i had stuff i needed to do so we're good
0: <laughs> that's cool um dusty the first question that i usually have on the show for everyone mm-hmm. that i've had this is now i think episode 177 that i've got on the podcast mm-hmm. uh how did you become a fan of professional wrestling before you got involved in business It's
1: one of the few things my dad ever did for me uh i don't without going into detail i don't have much of that but when he was still home he loved roller derby and it was unbelievable i mean he would he would not miss roller derby in the days that you didn't record anything you know you had to be home that sort of thing and uh for the longest time tv in the states would have package deals whoever had roller derby had wrestling so if I wanted to watch TV with my dad, I would end up watching that two-hour package of roller derby and wrestling. And I just, as a kid, the over-the-top guys and the booking, you know, I didn't know it was booking then, but it just, it hooked me. Uh, I re- The first places I remember seeing was uh Leroy McGurk's territory. And that's the first wrestling I remember. And then right after that, Amarillo. And, you know, those places had great talent. Even if people don't know who they were today, they they hooked you. Uh, you know, the Fonks and Hodge and, and that asshole Watts, guys like that. That they, You know, they were great workers. You bought into them as a 19, 11-year-old. That's how I got started. That was it.
0: Right. So would you say that the, the bug bit you? And mm-hmm. it never left your system, and there was a point in time where you just it, it was still with within you and you needed to find a way to get involved. is that is that yeah, true?
1: Kind of, uh, I played baseball, and I lost the opportunity to go to college with baseball. I got sick as a teenager. Um, and when I graduated from high school with college, like you're supposed to. I I wasn't gonna get a chance at a scholarship i even I, I might have been able to walk on and take a chance then but I wasn't we weren't financially stable enough to do that in my family um so I told my mom one day I'm gonna try this I'm only 18 if it doesn't work uh if it doesn't work out things are bad I'll go back to college give me a year or so yeah and you know, I promise you I'll go back to college if, if it doesn't doesn't start to pan out. And she was okay with that. You know, I wasn't living at home anyway, but it, it was still he's my mom, right? So yeah. I made the promise I'd go back to college if it didn't work out at 18. I went back to college when I was forty seven. Things worked out, you know. It was not like today where you could walk into a school, mm. you know, and if you had your payment each week, you could be a star. I, I couldn't get anybody to work with me because you know, they protect businesses in those days, you know. Finally, I got a fellow from here named Ken Johnson. Turned out to be one of my best friends ever. Uh, He started working with me, and we went down to where they were filming Joe Blanchard's TV after about six, eight months of working out on mats and burned out buildings and on the ground and because I had never been in a ring. I had not touched a ring, and uh, we were asking permission to use the ring like once a week when we knew everybody was in Odessa or the valley or someplace where there's nobody going to be in the office, and they're like, well, we need somebody for TV tonight. Like, I I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't know anything about, it. you know, I'm still training. No, no, we need somebody to do and tell said, go ahead, can you have your gear? And I, no, I don't have a gear. And I said, Kenny said, I have mine, you can use it. And so, you know, the first time I was ever in a wrestling ring, day I went asking for permission to use one to train. And whatever reason, Tony and Joe liked me, and they took Kenny and me off the side, and uh, we're going to put you two with Don Carson and let them teach you, or let him teach you, and so that's how I got started. You know, people tell you tell people the story, I hadn't even been in a ring until the first day I worked, and they're like, oh, no, no, no way, and it, yeah, you couldn't even, you had to have permission to touch a ring in those days. Of it course. Like it was like yeah. mafia, and in one way, it's good, because it's bad in one way if you're an outsider. You know, if you're born into the business or you grew up with one of the guys, hey, you you had your path right straight ahead of you. You didn't have to worry. But somebody like me that was coming in from the outside, it was tough. And uh, they had to like you, whoever they were. Whether here it was you know here it was Joe or somewhere else, it may have been Geigle, whoever. If they didn't like you, you didn't get a chance.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I've had a lot of people in the show, and I've heard a lot of similar stories from guys that uh got into the business uh during uh your period of time. So it, it it's it's uncanny. The stories are all so similar.
1: All changed in the '80s too, when the territory started going away. <laughs> and the old timers, yeah, you know I'm older than the old timers were then. Now, today I'm older. And if you didn't have anything to back all you knew was wrestling, So they started opening up the schools, and it, it was just—it was all downhill from there. But everything when I started in eighty-two, you know, they still cafe and mm-hmm. you don't do this, and you don't talk to outsiders, and you don't let. It, and if you do let an insider, an outsider in, you make life rough on them a little bit because you want to run them off. Of
0: course, and um. I mean, I guess uh, this starts to to uh, move forward in, in your life, and there's got to be a point in time where, Dusty, you have your first match. And I always love asking this because it, it can get a good story. Uh, what was your first match like, and, and how did it go?
1: I don't remember. It. I was so damn scared. Uh, I don't, <laughs> keep in mind, I was 19 years old. Yeah. Um, uh, And I had never been in a ring yet. I knew how to block up, I knew how to do some holes, I knew how to do some reversals. I even could take a bump on a hard floor, but I didn't know how to run the ropes yet. I didn't, none of that. I, just, I hadn't had the training because there was no place to get the training. Mm. Uh, it was the Mongolian stomper Archie Goldie. Oh, great. And you know, you're 19 years old, you know you're green as, as grass, you know, you are lacking, that's a good term. <laughs> that's a polite term 40 years later. <laughs> uh you're the shits. You know all this. And this guy is a top star. You know, and he looked the part. And I like I said, I'm so nervous. I remember leaving the dressing room and I remember walking back with ref. And I don't remember a thing that happened. I was just that scared. I was that scared.
0: Yeah. Well, it is the stomper. So
1: <laughs> that and, you know, you've spent the last few years thinking, well, maybe one of these days I'm going to at least try. And all of a sudden, here you are. And, you know, in your mind, you're not really prepared. And here you are. Oh, yeah. And Nick said the guy, the guy was one of the nicest guys in the world. He was moody. He was one day. He was just as nice as could be. The next day, he didn't speak to anyone. All right. And so you never. But he didn't hurt me. He didn't buy no, had Nothing of that nature. He didn't even try to take advantage of him. like some guys were. Nothing. He just got himself over, and did his thing, and. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you a thing we did.
0: Right. We no, fair it. enough. Nothing. Hey, nineteen <laughs> years old. That's, well, uh, not when you're nineteen, you still don't really know anything about the world, really. I mean. Uh, when I was 19 I was clueless and I'm 36 now two. I'm, still I'm a, kind I'm of DJ's clueless
1: funny, but I was too yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah um so okay uh in continental uh and and this is through my research 1984 you and Ken have a team called the Hollywood Blondes uh and no, I else. see you worked with Chavo Sr. and Hector Guerrero quite a bit. Uh the Rock and Roll Express. It seemed like quite a successful run from uh for you two. Um, you know, tag team championships, etc., working with these legends. Um, please tell me a little bit about that that run there and, and and I guess maybe a growing in confidence as you're getting uh, you know, early on into the business.
1: Well, by the time I met up with Kenny Till, I met Kenny Tales before I went to Kansas City. I started here in San Antonio with Southwest and was working regularly, but I had come to the conclusion that, you know, local guy and Joe Blanchett said this without actually saying the exact words, local guys aren't going to get a chance. So I knew I had to get out somewhere. And I went to Kansas City. I spent about four or five months in Kansas City. I came back home. Uh, I was looking for a place to go because I mean, I'm young. I don't know a lot of people yet. And uh, Kenny Thames was here and he was working the team with Eric Embry. Yeah. They had a falling out. Kitty could go to Memphis. Memphis was ready to bring him in, but they wanted a the tag team. So he asked me and I'm like, are you kidding? I'm going to Memphis with you. Do my hair. I'm gone. I've got family to raise. This is what I want to do. This is Memphis. We spent a couple months in Memphis. I thought we were in a pretty good position there. It turns out, you know, I had words with Lawler, and so we're out the door. Jarrett did keep his word, and he sent us to Florida, which is where you're talking about. We were the Guerreros, and Rock and Roll, and all that. We had a pretty good run in Florida until Shavo decided he didn't want to put me over. And how the politics of that one worked, I don't know to this day. But at the same time, Shavo decided he wasn't going to put me over. Uh, Dory Junior was the booker who he was going to—he was being fired—and Eddie just uh, just reshuffled everything. But up to that point, we had a good run. We did. Um, we didn't team together for about another six months, eight, but maybe ten months. And then Savoli up here on the East Coast called, and uh, you know I liked your guys' stuff in Florida. Can you come in for me? So we worked for Savoli off and on for a couple of years after that as partners. But that was a that was a huge
0: learning experience. Huge. It would it would I have to be. be, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had been here in San Antonio, and then I went to Kansas City, which me San Antonio was kind of gimmicky, but Kansas City, which was really a big experience, learning experience for me, wasn't a gimmicky type place. It wasn't. And so when I get to Memphis, you could be absolutely the shits in the ring, which you know, I was somewhere in between by now. But if you couldn't work your gimmick, you weren't going really, you had trouble in Memphis. And Florida was more of my speed. Florida was, you know, got a little bit of gimmick, a little bit of showbiz. But you have to be able to go a little bit. You have to be able to get down on the mat and do a spot and go back down on the mat, that sort of thing. And Florida was perfect learning place for me. You know, all the bad things you hear about Eddie Graham all these years later, a lot of them are true. But he was never – lacking with advice sometimes i didn't ask for it either <laughs> but he was a he was a mastermind at the business he was all the other things you hear about him too but when it came to why do we do this when do we do when do we do this when psychology he was a master you know and then we're working with guys like the guerreros and we're working mm. with rock and roll we're, we're working with uh neidhart God, who else with? um you probably remember Joe Lightfoot, who was a tremendous hand. Uh, gang, one man gang was down there as a baby face. Young Blood, Young Bloods. Oh yeah, Jay, Jay was well, Jay was night off. Yeah, night. yeah, he came in about halfway through down there. So yeah, I was working with great talent. If, if I couldn't learn from those guys, and you know Dory Junior was booking, and Whenever I couldn't get something out of Dory Junior., I would find Eddie, and I'd sit down next to Eddie. And then, of course, you're riding in the cars with these guys. And, uh, even though we didn't work with him, Barry Darso, was about my age, and Barry Darso had already had a couple of pictures, and so I'm in the car with him. He, like I say, it was just it was school. It was, it was,
0: yeah, that's where you learn, I mean, right?
1: Back where you're going, exactly. Exactly. I learned more of Florida in Memphis in that you know eight month period than I had the, the entire two years before.
0: Right, because uh, you know what well, I've heard uh, some people say that these days uh the, with the current way that pro wrestling is, um, someone had an I don't know if it was Chris Jericho, someone said, um, they should put a veteran in a, uh they should pay him just to be in the car with the young talent these days oh, for the car ride. I don't know. If they don't listen.
1: Talk. They I they don't though. Around,
0: do they? I haven't <laughs> been around
1: the young about ten years. I'm gonna be honest. I'm going lie. So I. They may be completely different today. I doubt it. Uh, yeah, just. But totally. I, the last five, ten years that I was in the business, the young talent would try to pick your brain, or at least act like they were picking your brain. And, and a guy like me, I can't physically do what they're doing anymore. That, but I was already broken down. I was, you know, I hung on too long. But I could give them psychology, you know. I'm like I, mm. because every guy, I go out there with them, and we would walk up. I'd take one bump, with finish finish. And that was the only, but I worked to the pump and they couldn't understand how that worked and I'm like, you can't learn it. Just that one night, you know. I can put it in your head and I can put it in your head tomorrow night and I can put it in your head the night after. as we're going to and from the towns, but without the towns to be in, you're not learning. Because that's where you really learn. Yeah, and. I would see them, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's great, that's great. Yeah, I, I did. And when you did this, or when you didn't do this, you know, like one, you know, like the nights I'd get ten minutes out of my shirt before I ever touched them, and I would have people literally. I'm having to fight people to keep. And they weren't because they were bored. It was because they were mad because I wasn't doing something. And they were like, "That's so great." But then when I would watch them two months later, they were right back to doing the exact same things they were doing before I had. So. And if it was like that then, like I said, I'm sure it's only wor- only worse now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jericho's right. They should be listening to older guys. Yes, it's a different world as far as the ping pong up and down. Yay, Ross is and all that other bullshit. But there's reasons and timing and why we do this and why we don't do that and save that. I was talking to somebody the other day and I'm like, Undertaker's perfect example you didn't see the undertaker fly through the ropes onto the floor and go through a table on tv he didn't on a pay-per-view
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then when it got to the point where you didn't see him but pay-per-views depending on where he was at on the card depending on what you saw out of him perfect example of psychology and incorporating today's flip-flop fly Ugh. video game stuff
0: oh he's he- the perfect. Yeah, He's that's exactly game. where that's all come from. They all played the video games, yep. and those it video is- games, like, if you saw some of those video games, like uh SmackDown 2, for example, like when you play that game, like that, that you, you know, you you hit a move on on no on, on the wrestler, and they get up straight away, like, <laughs>
1: and no one gets hurt in a video game, no. <laughs> you
0: know,
1: and they can walk away from a video game, and they don't have. Uh, replacement parts put in when they're 50 and 60 years old because that video game just saw it is restarted you know uh, like when we set this up i told you tomorrow i'm having back surgery mm. yeah. and i didn't I, w- I took bumps for a guy my age i took many more bumps than i should have and i took quite a few when i was younger which is why when i got older i left my feet when it was time and only when it was time mm. you only have so many you can only do so much and your body quits yeah, I don't know how they do it. I mean, some of them are getting paid. So now there's talk two ways about that. You know, we we talk about the old times and the new times. Some of these guys are making outrageous money. Yeah. And bless their hearts. If it's worth it to them to be crippled by the time of 40, 45. You know, I never knew I was gonna be this crippled up. I am now. Mm. Yeah. I didn't make that kind of money.
0: I mean, I, you you think about Hogan. Up. Hogan hit hit a leg drop. And his back's been screwed up for, mm-hmm. I don't know how long now, but I see some of these guys these days, they're taking these bumps on the ring apron. And I'm like, why, why are you doing why? it? Why? Oh, the hardest part of the ring, are you kidding me? Like, right. And Hogan's well, yeah. got back problems from a leg drop.
1: If you're making Jericho's money or guys like that, you're making that kind of money and you want to risk it, okay. But these guys that you know aren't making any money, why i don't and i'm, I'm with you <laughs> but live and learn you know
0: yeah and think. and i and I don't, I don't want to keep harping on it but like uh i don't know if you know darby allen from aew is, is yeah, He's
1: actually one of the few guys i actually like at aew when he calls down
0: i think he's fantastic i'm, I'm yeah. always excited to see what he does but jesus sometimes like he uh-huh. he jumped off the top rope and he landed on that hard casket on his back and, and I'm like, that. dude, you're going, you got it, you got, you got to YouTube it. It chair. looks, it, it made me feel sick watching him hit it because I'm like, man, you're going to be in a wheelchair in like ten years mm-hmm. if you keep doing stuff like that, dude. Like, I've only seen it three or four times. Let's be honest, I mean, watched the full match. It was three or four times. I don't really watch the current product,
1: uh, but when I watched him, when he calmed down a little bit, he actually gets it. Mm,
0: he does. He it's, actually does.
1: The idea that he doesn't calm down because he gets into that. I got to keep competing mode. I'm working for the guys in the back. I'm working for the dirt sheet writers. I'm not working for the
0: fans. (laughs) Oh gosh, the dirt sheet writers. Don't get me started on them. Uh, But back to you, Dusty. Okay. Back to you. Okay. Um, Because this is like a a period of time that I'm really excited to hear about. Um, So, okay. You have this, actually, you know what, there's another question I wanted to ask you. Uh, You you and Ken, you had a team called the Hollywood Blondes. Did it ever bother you that Steve Austin and Brian Pilgrim, Use that name at all?
1: No, no. The <laughs> fact we were, we, oh, so Kenny was the fabulous blondes. Him and Eric Hambrick. Kenny, Tim's and Eric. They are the fabulous blondes. And they were getting over down here a little bit in San Antonio, the Southwest area, and we go to Memphis thinking we're going to be the uh, the fabulous blondes. And mm. We walk in and they the promo it's you know, next on live Memphis TV, which is live Saturday morning, the Hollywood ones. You know, that has to be us. And right. we just stayed, you know, we weren't the first, you know, Brown. Right,
0: and okay.
1: We <laughs> were first. So okay. Uh,
0: now I've uncovered that little fact. That's cool. I like learning, yeah, there's, that's good. There's nothing uh, new. I
1: mean, Buddy and Jerry Brown, Buddy Roberts and Jerry Brown, they were the Hollywood Bonds for five, six years in
0: the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Nothing. I just I just interviewed a tag team called the Super Destroyers from ECW, but uh mm-hmm. one of the guys I've interviewed on my podcast before, he said. Which super destroyers is it? Because there's like five or six of them. I'm
1: like <laughs> first one I ever heard of back in the seventies. You know how many have been there <laughs> since then? Yeah.
0: Great stuff. Um, so Dusty, I'm really excited to hear about this. Uh, uh, I'm talking about 1987. I'm talking about going to work for the uh the WWF. Uh, my research tells me that your first outing. It might be wrong, but please correct me. Uh, it was against uh, Rick Martell and Tom zank on March 21st, 1987. Thomas sounds and Max right. Center in Las Vegas. And then you oh, wrestled okay. Jake Roberts the next day, I believe.
1: Um, I was in Phoenix, but I don't, it may have been Jake. I think it was Jake. It you that, those but how long it was. Yeah, it sounds right. I know the first match was in Vegas. Okay, cool. Well, that must that be I it then. the next day was Phoenix. And I know the next day was Phoenix. And uh, the Can Am's, they sound, that
0: sounds right. Me and cool. Barry O. Okay, cool. I'm glad that I got something right. Sometimes yeah, that was it wrong. right.
1: Second day, <laughs> and Jake, yeah. And Jake and I had three matches, not just events, but on the independent scene later. It, it, I don't, I don't know which one was which anymore with Jake, but it,
0: it very easily, very easily. So how did the opportunity come about? And because it seems like you, you end up having quite a good relationship with the company because um, you, you worked there for quite some time, uh, you know, working on Wrestling Challenge and the live events yeah. and everything.
1: Gary Garvin had been in Kansas City, running the Kansas City office.
0: And, uh,
1: and we come early 87, I'm working for World Class and I'm working in Hawaii for The Rocks Grandma. And
0: yeah, cool.
1: Anybody I can find. you know, anybody, anybody I can find. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City is changing. Uh, all the territories are changing. And I'm, I'm looking at this, the, the landscape that's taking place, and I'm like, I'm going to stick around. I need to go to one of the two big offices. Even if I know all I'm doing is jobs, I'd, which obviously that's what I did. Um, I didn't know anybody. Well, I knew people at Turner's office, with uh, Crockett those days, but I didn't know anybody well enough to pick up the phone call. You know, I'd, I'd have to find, meet them, and talk to him, you know, Tully or Dusty or Waddle or somebody like that, right? But anyway, uh, I picked up, I was at L.A. airport. I was coming back from working for the Rocks, mom out mountain Hawaii, And I'm in L.A. airport, and I just, I'm going to take a chance. I'm picked up on the old pay phones on the wall, and I call the office, and Terry Gardner was in the office. i told the story before, he was in the office, which was lucky for me. And I told him what I was looking for, and he says, I can't promise you anything but I can put you to work so. I'm like, oh, okay. You're paying better than anybody else right now. So, and he's, can you be in Vegas and Phoenix? And it was like three days after the day I was in the airport. I'm, yeah, because I had friends in LA, and I just, on the phone, I'm like, hey, you mind if I crash? No, no problem. And then I went on from, and that's how I got started. That was the way I started. There was no developmental. There was no, I didn't sign a contract with them until three years ago never really three years ago i signed a contract with him to do a documentary the peacock shell oh really just never yeah but that's the only contract i've ever signed with vince i i started with a phone call to terry garvin and from that point forward it was just phone calls or if they've seen me in the building hey by the way you know so and was hurt can you take that week for them I said, yeah I'm on my way. I, you know, they would send me a booking sheet. Uh, occasion, and other times it was just phone calls. And, and like I said, I never signed a piece of paper one, outside of like a waiver here or a waiver there that the state yeah. required or a license. That's it.
0: Yeah. Right. So, uh, uh this is in my questions because you just mentioned it. Uh, there was something with Peacock and they shelved it because they've shelved a few documentaries now, which is frustrating for me because I've heard about these uh documentaries they've been supposed to be putting out but they never did uh, what was that about it was
1: about where they are now type deal with me lombardi and uh Barry horowitz i think gilbert was involved in this too but i know the other two guys really for a fact because we discussed them you know you know yeah those are my contemporaries those you know, good guys blah 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 and my wife's timeline popped up yesterday or day before yesterday and then that was the day like three years ago uh WWF office, W.E., I'm sorry, sent a producer down or he took it upon himself. I signed a con I literally signed a contract about doing the documentary at that point in time. It's first contract ever. I can beat myself, this is so true. And then they filmed, they're right here in San Antonio down on the Riverwalk. We have the, the, the big tourist area, the Riverwalk in the middle of downtown. And we filmed the majority of that Saturday. It was a Saturday. And over time, you know, what well, we got to we've got the list of what we're already putting out and then we're going to edit, blah, 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 blah. And by the time it got to the editing point, I'm like, hey, you know, what's going to be the release date? So I can tell my son, and tell my other son, and tell my daughter so she can ignore it. Uh, she hates the business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I was going well, I don't know what's happening. Okay. So I let about a month go by. Now we get to the end of summer. And he's like, well, Peacock took everything over, and it's quite a few things that put on the shelf. Ah, oh. yeah, and that's the last I heard about
0: it. So. Oh, that's a shame. Because as soon as you said Lombardi, Horowitz, Dwayne Gill, I'm already like I'm already getting excited, you know. <laughs> well, I know
1: I know for a fact that Barry and Steve were in it because we talked about them, and we right. you know, discussed, you know, just discussing knowing them, and riding with them, working with them, blah, 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 blah. and I remember. Dwayne being mentioned, but I'm not sure if he filmed or not. And I know for a fact that I can't say which of the two had already been filmed and he was leaving to go film the other, but you know, Barry had been filmed and he was going to go do Steve, or vice versa. That was, I remember that conversation. Right.
0: They, wow. Yeah,
1: somebody told me somebody told me later, and it wasn't the man that produced it, but somebody else that was in that orbit. Yeah. Told me that it got a little dark. And I don't know which one of the guys it got a little dark with. By that I mean, you know, pressing. I don't know. That was just, you know, and that could be just an excuse to put it on the shelf. You no, know, who knows for sure?
0: My You're guess right. is they
1: looked at it. Peacock looked at it and said, "No, yeah, there's no money in these guys. There's money in Hogan. There's money in Savage. There's money in Flair." Uh, and,
0: we've and, heard those stories a million times. Like you know, well, I want to hear. I lived it.
1: I lived it. I, I had to. I had people don't realize how. I don't want to call it a fight, but it was a struggle at times. Mm. You know, uh, there's still a prevailing attitude that because you did jobs are stupid.
0: Oh, you know, don't get me started. You know, I've, I've defended like people so many times business, over this. And I'm
1: like, guys, I spent 29 years making a living out of the, well, the majority of the 29 years. Because you know, when you first start at the very end, I wasn't. But for 27 or 27 and a half of the 29 years, I made a living mm. being nobody, so to speak. And I, if I didn't know how business works, who does? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I said this, I said this, to. I had Barry Horowitz on my show, I've had Dwayne Gill on the show. Um, I, I said this to, to a lot of guys that were in the same position There, there isn't, there isn't a Randy Savage. There isn't a Hulk Hogan without you guys. You guys are the building block for them which to be why, over.
1: Which is for the reason you only have one or two top guys today, because all the rest of them are having to beat each other to stay over. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, Vince programmed it that way. Now, he doesn't want anybody to be a Hogan or a savage. He
0: no, he that. just wants the monkey to say WWE. Thankfully, he's exactly. not there anymore.
1: <laughs> you don't you know, go to the circus to see an act. You go to the circus to see all the acts. <laughs> and he finally realized that that was the way for the company to make the kind of money it makes. I think he it works. So, but anyway, yeah. that was the documentary. That documentary, uh, there's a couple of people that have popped up here in the last few months and said they're, they're going to see about like trying to buy it from Peacock or go into a. Well, I interview. hope so because it I sounds interesting. <laughs> I don't see it happening. I, I don't. But Damn it. You know, anyway, the whole point of all along, all that long story is I signed one contract with Vincent Sue by now almost 40 years it's like one contract it was like 30 years after i'd left i <laughs> never you know you hear all the stories about contracts and guarantees and everything in my world was a handshake with pat or jj or terry everything
0: right well uh, nonetheless i really enjoyed that story it was really great um so okay i looked through your your match history and I've seen so many people that you work with that I'm just so, gosh, it's so exciting to know that you work with all of these different people, and I'm sure there's a story here or there. If there's not, though, I'm going to name some names. If there's not, all right. we can just move forward. Um, okay. May 12th, 1987, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in Anaheim, California. Have you got any stories of working with a dragon? He was great.
1: Oh, my God. He, he was the first guy to actually... Well, I can't say the first guy, but he was one of the, the guys that let me get a little in on TV and right. show that I wasn't just a punching bag, even though there were many nights I was. Um, he was so smooth. Ricky yes. Steamboat is just one of those guys that you I mean, you can watch it and see it. But when you're in the ring with him, you, you get a whole another level of appreciation for him. You really do.
0: Absolutely smooth as silk. Uh, Oh,
1: almost too smooth. Almost. (laughs) The
0: next, the next one. You have to
1: look. You're literally you're looking to see if he's still there. (laughs) That that arm
0: drag. Come on, that arm drag.
1: Oh yeah, when he's behind you're selling, he's behind you and stuff. There are times you literally have to look to make sure he's still there.
0: Unbelievable. Right. He's He was always unbelievable. Did you see when he came out of retirement after years of being mm-hmm. in retirement and then he was at WrestleMania better working with Jericho and he happen. just nailed it, stopped the show. <laughs> um, okay, June 2nd, 1987. Um, by the way, I was born in January 1987.
1: Uh, way
0: to make me feel old. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you, you work in, uh, you, I don't know who you, I didn't write who you teamed with, but you, you work with the British Bulldogs... In Buffalo, New York, do you have a Dynamite k story? Johnny K-9.
1: <laughs> that would have been my partner there because right, I remember cool. a whole loop with him. We did TV and then we did Ontario and over in Quebec. And yeah. So, anyway, I hated working with the Bulldogs. Yeah, Davey wasn't so bad. Yeah. The Dynamite was a prick. I've said this before. I'll say it till the day I die. Dynamite was a prick.
0: Yeah. Seems like
1: uh, a- he didn't care about anybody.
0: Yeah. And, so it seems like a running theme with him, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the problem <laughs> with Davey was Davy Davey would follow Dynamite. It was like a little brother, big brother thing. Yeah. And hey, once they split, working with Davey was another night off. When they were together, they were horrible. Especially a guy like me that, you know, they're not to have to go town to town with me. They're not going to have to deal with me. Dave, Dynamite was horrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I've seen a lot uh, and also I believe you worked uh, with uh, Rick Hunter in a tag team match with them uh, later on down the line that sounds right
1: it's, it's, who knows anymore I, mean, I uh, all the names are familiar and I can play stuff that yeah, it sounds right uh,
0: okay so the, uh, the next one I want to bring up because it seemed like you worked with him for a little bit here between uh, the, the 8th of June to the 13th uh, with probably a couple of days off here and there Rick Rude uh in uh california and missouri in mm-hmm. 1987 how was rick to work with?
1: it was easy rick, rick was one of us didn't know his own strength but otherwise the whole thing with rick that week was just to get him into the territory get, get him over a little bit in the towns and stuff. and we'd go like we did seven eight minute ten minute matches so he didn't try to guzzle me or eat me. he knew he knew what he was being asked to do and Rude, one of the most underrated guys. Mm. Years later, when you realize the, the, the he he may not have been your cup of tea, so to speak, but he was the guy that he could stir the drink. He was rude. Was good. Rude really was. I he think... didn't was. That's that's the scary thing. Remember, every once when he grabbed you, and he was just like, "Oh dear God!" Or <laughs> you know, "I owe you money." Or, Are you mad at me? And then, oh, okay. He, he was ungodly strong.
0: Right, I remember hearing a story that Shawn uh said once in an interview where he saw um, Rick Rude like laying people out with an open hand, like at a, at a bar, just really? like with, with an open hand, and he's just laying them out. I'm like, man, yeah. that's a hard slap. <laughs> um, one of those <clears throat>
1: leg breakers. Sharky broke it. Eddie Sharkey broke. You know, found a whole list of leg breakers up here in Minneapolis area mm-hmm. and broke them in the Road Warriors and Rude Lord, a couple others. He was one of them.
0: It's funny when you when you think back to this era and you think about like wrestlers really look like men. I think Kevin Nash talks about like back in the day you'd walk into a locker room and there's you know guys playing cards and okay. you know Harley Race with a big thick cigar saying, so, and I told that motherfucker, you know, like okay. and now the, the all the guys don't have any body hair and and they're all very nicely tanned and they look like models and <laughs> things have changed
1: <laughs> it's what this one is change uh i don't know that you could sell a harley or a dick murdoch or a dusty boots mm. today I don't know no. if you, could, you know terry faulk dory jr yeah you know brisco yeah guys like that you know i don't even know if you could sell a guy like morocco or bob Orton mm. okay and you know 40 years ago it's, it's, it's hard to believe it's been 40 years but yeah i don't think you could today
0: yeah, we we've been spoiled with the likes of, you know, John Cena and all that. And you know, the guys that look like that, that could be actors in Hollywood and he is he is an actor. Well, Cena
1: does look apart. I mean, and Cena I have nothing against Cena. Cena's actually one of the reasons that the business is still around.
0: Yeah, I I, I ended up appreciating him later on. I didn't like him earlier, uh, because mm. I hated seeing him win all the time because I like when the bad guys win more. But uh Later on, I realized how good he was when I saw the the new the new crop come in, and uh, mm-hmm.
1: and he was able to make something out of it.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, oh, you know what, John Cena was actually really good.
1: Uh, I've known Cena. I don't know him. I don't know him well, but but I knew Cena when he was breaking in, mm. uh, working out of you know California, Arizona, places like that. He's like everybody else trying to get spot. He was working on some of the same shows, and you could tell the, that the guy had a potential even when he was just coming straight out of whatever training he was doing, whoever he was training with, you could tell the guy. He had it. it. Yes, and he wanted it. It was different with him. He, he understood at that point in time that it's not just bing bang boom, but that there is a reason for everything. And you could see it, like I said, he had only come out literally, you know, first few matches, you could see it then.
0: Absolutely. Uh and uh just to keep going down further uh, down the line of 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 some of these amazing opponents that you worked with and made look fantastic. Uh the ultimate warrior, uh I'd I'd love to know how it was working with him because it, it seemed like you worked with him a couple of times. Horrible.
1: Some reason he liked working with me. Well I, I was one of the few guys that could have a conversation with him on the days that he would just shut down and be a complete ass to everybody. And I whatever reason, he and I he liked me. And I don't know if that was a great thing because then I was sometimes, i having to work with him again because he was just in a mood. It, I don't know what he was like with other guys. I was there the night Andre knocked him out. So I know he wasn't exactly easy to work with with the top guys either, but he was just a horrible to work with. It was, just, it, was, it, was, it was scary sometimes. It was frightening sometimes. I Frightened could imagine. So, uh, you know, thankfully, only two, three minutes. And, you knew part of that was going to be him shaking the ropes and running around. What you You're like, Oh, you're literally there were times you would count the time in your head.
0: If i say seen someone's work with him, I need to ask just to see if I can get one positive story. Still haven't been successful ever after 177 episodes. <laughs> 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 um, okay, like I've seen that you work with the Hart Foundation, you also work with Bret Hart. Yeah, um, I think that I think you good. teamed with Mike Sharp to to work with the Heart Foundation at one yeah. stage too. Yeah, that, that must have been Utah. that must have been a joy, right? I mean, come on, Brett was
1: easy. So was Jim. Jim was just a different type of work. Mm. Oh, they both knew what they were doing. Uh, what do you add? You know, you know, Brett's legacy. Jim's the one that kind of gets gets forgotten.
0: Yeah. Over time. I'm glad that they did that Hall of Fame induction for the Heart Foundation where they could really highlight Jim and have Brett talk about him and tell some yeah, stories. Did that was it to
1: himself. I mean, there's no other way around it. Jim did it to himself. But when they were on top, Jim was just as part of an important part of that team so mm. as everyone.
0: Really complemented each other quite well. Um another guy that you work with though, who's universally beloved, uh Mr. Perfect. Uh, Kurt Hennig. Uh, how was is, how, how is he? To I mean, come on, that's 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 almost like working with this Ricky but He's just he's it just is, you know, fantastic.
1: Funny. I had I had that whole list: Hennig, Santana, who gets left off of so many people's list. Uh, mm. you know, D-Nossi, Sean and Marty, mm. mention them hearts. You know, Brett and Jim. Oh my god, there's just an entire list there. All the way down, all the way down. Not just the top guys, you know. Jake, Jake was his own kind of worker. You know, one of the guys I just, I loved to work with was Lanny Poffo. You know, they didn't put they didn't push Lanny, but Lanny was such an easy, responsive night. Coco, yep, another one. You know, he wasn't pushed hard. He was pushed enough, but he wasn't pushed hard. But you could go out there and have a great match with Coco, George Steele before he got sick. You know, just there's, there's just a whole list of guys. They were different workers, different style workers. And they had their own gimmick or whatever it may be. I was fortunate. There was only a handful of guys that were not people you wanted to be around. Dynamite, Warrior. That started to change at the end when we started bringing guys in that had been in the territories. Right. Some of those guys got a little rough, but that first three, four years I was there, it was, it it was, it was, uh, I don't know how to put it. It was, I won't say it was perfect because the travel would get brutal, we get hurt, whatever. But as far as guys that could work and learn from and so on and so forth, it was, it was great. It was, I don't think there's been a better collection of talent, at least in my lifetime, anywhere.
0: Mm.
1: Crockett came close a time or two. Yeah, it wasn't quite the same
0: and um, another thing that I found interesting uh, you you worked for uh, UWF uh, uh, for Herb Abrams uh, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to see if you, you had any Herb stories because if I've seen someone's work there that I need to know uh, if they witnessed what he was like I
1: didn't deal with Herb I dealt with whoever his office manager was uh, I've said this a couple times before herb had that permanent smile on his face and I always thought of thinking back you know he's just, just a friendly guy he's just mm. happy to be here type thing you know you find out later there's a reason why he had a permanent smile
0: because he was high uh, <laughs> he was
1: just old. he couldn't do anything else yeah um uh, I, I probably said this almost too you know we, my wife watched the story of, of the uwF and like I didn't I didn't know her I didn't you know I worked for him a handful of times I met him but didn't know him. Uh and then when she hears the story about how he died, she looked at me straight in the eye and said, Were you in the room? And I'm like, Oh my reputation's that bad. So <laughs> no, I honestly did not know. I mean, you knew that there was, there was there was dope all around, you know, you're a part of it too. And it's just there. But I didn't know he was that level. I had no clue.
0: Yeah, I mean this is it supposed was,
1: to be a <laughs> the inmates ran the asylum right
0: he it's supposed to
1: be a... A good... he <laughs> had such a good deal in the beginning yeah and the potential for it to be such a good deal but i don't yeah. think he could add two and two i think that's how stone. he would stay right in all, all honesty and
0: because you know it's supposed to be a wrestling company not studio 54 i mean <laughs> yeah which that was okay after the show yeah he uh good you know good on him. He lived life to the fullest and uh, he lived his he, life, yeah. He never he never hurt anybody. He just he not that you. I know
1: of. I mean, no. able, as far as like, business goes, we got our money, paid.
0: Yeah, so that's good. At least everyone got yeah. paid. Um okay, so I know you wrestled Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Uh is that why your name changed to Dale Wolf? Yeah, I thought so. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've told the story too, but it's so true uh i'm at catering one day and patterson comes in and says hey we're gonna change your name and i'm like well, what would i do
0: <laughs> would i make that
1: i'm not we're bringing dusty uh, in and we don't want the
0: confusion oh god yeah we yeah. Did get real confused well, a good
1: conversation because like, like, oh, Scott, I can you like i almost got gonna get fired because i'm like pat they can't tell us apart
0: he's got polka and, dots uh, on
1: <laughs> yeah well anyways my polka dots on but there's a little bit difference in the size
0: yeah and uh
1: <laughs> the age too for that matter and when mm-hmm. i didn't go that deep i'm just like <laughs> so i looked at pat pat had a cigarette he started to look at me a minute so i knew to stop right so I'm mean, okay i said well eddie grab maybe do the same thing in florida because i was blonde and dusty and i had to use my middle name in florida so I said, let's just use my middle name and so okay. that's right that's that again no contract no paperwork no nothing oh, okay and he went to the grill positions it was dale from that point forward
0: Right. Okay. You know, I, I I love those little nuggets of information. I find that very interesting. And if you, any of you all out there don't find it interesting, then I don't care. I do. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many more names it was, it was, I could go through here, uh, Dusty, but you know what, like at some point in the future, I'd like to bring you back on the show because I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I'd love to have you back in the future to talk a little bit more about um, the kind of the back end of uh, the career in the WWF and some of your time in WCW and uh, mm-hmm. furthermore. Um, but <clears throat> I'll ask a, a couple more questions here before we um, end the interview. Um, Puerto Rico, you seem to mm-hmm. spend a bit of time there uh, and sure. that seems to be quite fruitful for you. Uh, any great memories of your time over there?
1: Great ones, no. Oh. Puerto Rico was time. You were you were serving time. Uh, Puerto Rico could have been perfect, uh, but you had Victor Jovica, and he's a thief. Mm-hmm. Uh he, When the business was really good in Puerto Rico, a guy like me that was in the middle upper middle, making seven eight hundred a week and you know mid eighties money. And probably should have been making a grand or more. And my last time there, just five, six years later, I was like on a $500 guarantee, which, and I don't even know what that would be in today's money because I was 93, I think. Uh, and it should have been more. You just, you, Carlos had a gambling habit. and you know, vehicle was just a freak. But it was regular work. You worked five days a week. You had two days yep. off there's no long trips unless you flew to another island you, you were putting in time I don't I don't have anything horrible to say about the place I just nothing good to say about the place it
0: was just <laughs> it was a payday right but well, at least you know the Puerto Rican women are pretty good looking right
1: well you <laughs> By the time you get hit with rocks and spark plugs and cups of piss, everything else, every night of your life, when you're down there, you're not really interested in the people. (laughs) You want to go to your room. You go to the gym. You go if you go to the beach, you find a spot where nobody bothers you. You go, you know, you stay away from the people because. Things could get rough in those
0: buildings. Oh, I've heard so much. I had Savio Vega on the show once, and he told me about a riot that took place because of him.
1: I've seen the riot start on one end of the building and work its way down to the other side of the building like a wave. You know, like they yeah. do in football, and like a way, and it just, and then they make its way back We would just why was, I was Ricky Santana that night? And oh, cool. Just hold this, and we watched, and that and it went on. That ever came after us? I don't know what they were fighting over. And I, I don't know if we started it or somebody stepped on. So I have no clue. But it literally started on one end of the building, worked its way to the other end of the building. There's a thousand, 1, fifteen hundred people on that side of the building, and then it worked its way back to the other side. And then when it finally calmed down a little bit, Ricky's like, "What are we gonna do?" I said, "We're going home. We can't follow that."
0: <laughs> it's like the mexican you know the mexican wave is this like happy thing but in puerto rico the mexican waves that is a violent cool. thing
1: <laughs> it was violent down there. that's the only place i've ever been able to sell rocks outside of one of the buildings so they would have something to throw at you
0: fuck me whatever happened to just hit, throwing hit tomatoes you know
1: <laughs> no 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 spark plugs and rocks <laughs> They'd set they'd set the rum oh, on fire, boy. which I never understood that, but they would literally, you know, the one fifty one of them sneak in, they'd make a the little fireball, and here it would come, or they'd pee in a cup and throw that at you. Oh.
0: Who's pulling yeah. that cock out in the crowd and pissing in the cup,
1: you know? <laughs> they would. Oh. Because they've been more than once you get hit, and you're like, what the and then you're like, oh dear God, yeah. Oh, you want to go find them, but you can't because you're vastly outnumbered. You know that's worse than john wayne at alamo you know you're gonna die if you go up in that crowd
0: oh and, gosh it's it's hilarious uh, it's just uh, it I is now it, oh, yeah. no i would <laughs> i would imagine not uh, someone Uh-oh. i had on the show told me that they got stabbed in the ass with a fork in puerto rico yeah, uh, um, i've seen
1: things like that one place i got stabbed was in africa but, yeah oh
0: really yeah what did you, you do know, wrong
1: i <laughs> i hit the ring uh, To set up the next time we're coming back. You
0: know, yeah.
1: Put the boots to the local hero. Or... We're in a cage. I, I literally, in those days, could still climb the cage. And I climbed the cage, got in for the team, yeah. and I'm standing in the corner of the ref. I feel this like on my boot. And I'm like, what the hell's going on with my boot? I was in a street clothes. And I look, and sure enough, it cut my boot and hit me a couple of spots, not deep. I mean, it didn't do anything but graze me because I had my jeans inside my boot
0: okay yeah
1: because I you know i was climbing that cage and i didn't want to fall ahead first coming down and uh if i hadn't had my jeans and my boots i'm telling what they had done to me
0: oh, ah yeah. yeah. things have certainly changed since then
1: oh you don't see things like that anymore
0: <laughs> no the worst oh. thing that happens is people arguing on twitter so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's well, when you knew you were over in
1: those days that's when you knew you
0: were over when you're absolutely back. yeah um, and you know what, Dusty? I've, I've had so much fun. We've we've gone longer than I um, uh, oh, okay. initially asked you to uh, be That's on the what show wife with me. That's but, what my voice you, <laughs> you went longer than I wanted. <laughs> but you know, one day in the future, when you're ready after your back surgery, definitely want to have you back on uh, and continue we can do on. It right after
1: Christmas. So Excellent. Then, if I'm not on my feet, something's wrong.
0: Cool, and we can continue learning about your story because I've, I've kind of cut it off by, you know, mid-1990s. Yeah, here, and there's so still a
1: lot left, even if people don't know about it. That's so much more. used to bother me. Now I, I just, like, I realize that's how important Vince is and how big he is mm-hmm. and it's such I an mean, important part of culture. He mm-hmm. is part of culture now, or when I say he, the office. Of course. Uh, i 29 years in the wrestling business. Six of them were with him. And SLP for not.
0: That's why I thought yeah, it was somewhere. important to ask you about Puerto Rico, to ask you about the uh, Hollywood Blondes, to ask you about working with the Guerreros, and because mm-hmm. it's not just that. You know, and next time I have you, on, I'm going to ask you about working with Virgil in South Korea, or okay. uh, your yeah. time in 1996 no, working WCW well. Saturday Night, and your time in Japan. Etc., you know,
1: some of the independent stuff people have no way of knowing because it was just such a small little show here, and you had yeah. two or three little shows. So I, I understand that completely, but like I say, like you just said, you know, Korea, Japan, Africa, Europe, you're, you're in Australia, right? Yes, yeah, that's the only place that I wanted to go that I never made. Otherwise, I've been to so many different places. People don't I know those six years, that just tells you how important he is to culture today or his office. And I just, I just gave up. I just gave up. I mean, I can't, I can't fight that fight. It's what it is.
0: It is. uh, And uh, I've had so much fun, but we've got one last segment to go ahead, Dusty. And it's about your favorite things. Uh, And it's, it's a quick fire question for a quick fire answer, but... Look, I understand sometimes it might take you a little while to think of the answer.
1: Oh, yeah, because... I guess have to put two words together
0: sometimes. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Dusty, the first three about wrestling, uh, who is your favorite professional wrestler of all time?
1: Yeah, well, I'm a in the corner, and if it's not Dickie Murdoch, it's
0: Terry Falk. Very, You know what? Terry's been probably the number one answer that I've ever had on this show, more than anyone it's who's been
1: in his closet and we probably would have had a falling out in the last 15 20 years but when i was in the business dickie took care of me mm. dickie was a tremendous worker to learn from so if it wasn't dickie it was funk
0: cool and um
1: my, my youngest has his middle name murdoch
0: right so, oh so. that's cool um over the course of your career, is there one person you would say favorite opponent, favorite person to work with?
1: That's a long list. Because some of them would be people you really never heard of. Or like you might have, but others have, you know, Tracy Smothers is on, Rock and Roll is on that list. Uh, Tito, Ricky Martel. Jake that's a long list <laughs> yeah I can't narrow it down to just one person I can't
0: that that's okay yeah I know that was a difficult one sometimes uh uh okay one match if if somebody asked you Dusty what is it that you did with your life uh show me one match of yours to show me what it was that you did I don't even know what wrestling is if you could show them one match what would it be
1: me and last one Eric Sun City
0: really cool. I saw that you worked with Lance. I interviewed Lance about two years ago. He's great.
1: Lance um, Lance's Lance, 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 Lance. I'll just leave you with that. But Lance, <laughs> is, Lance was one of my go-to guys whenever I was booking overseas.
0: Cool, cool. Okay, well, we're getting away from wrestling now. Uh, do you have a favorite book?
1: Favorite? No, I read all the time. So, again, there's so many there that's a full of favorite. Whatnot, not? I couldn't do it. Yeah, but, you know, I'm a, being a history professor, or a government professor, or political science professor. I'm always reading stuff, even if it's uh, historical fiction. Uh, and then every once in a while, I'll pull something out of the. There's an author by the name of John Sanford. I like his work, but
0: there's no one, no one particular book. book is,
1: yeah, that's, but that's okay. But you, always, you've
0: mentioned an author, so that that I, I, you I'm always know.
1: reading. Let's just put it that way. I'm always reading. Sometimes that's good for work. And sometimes it's just
0: to, oh, no. I think it's healthy to read.
1: Uh I don't know I, how you survive without it.
0: Yeah. And not just reading shit on the internet. I mean, reading a book, you know, I, I used to, not to make this about me right now, but I used to sing in a rock band. And I noticed that when I read more books, uh lyrics came to my mind easier. Um, It's just, it's maths. You know, not, the, the, a, not a
1: musician, but I understand what you mean.
0: Yeah. The, the, the more that you, uh you know, um you open your mind up. That's it. Uh, okay. Uh, moving on. Favorite TV show. Current or old? Of all time. Rockford Files. Very nice. I've heard of that. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Um, do you have a favorite film? True Grip. Oh, wicked. Good, good choice good choice.
1: Not not the one that they remade
0: not the remake the no, the real no, no, no. deal.
1: No no. The real true grit. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's like it's like doing a remake of uh Total Recall. Just just leave it. <laughs> like you don't need to touch it, okay?
1: <laughs> I was forced to watch the remake. I was forced to watch the remake and you and didn't like it. Said, In that movie especially.
0: <laughs> and I didn't see it. Right. Uh so, Dusty, Did you, you got a have you got a favorite musical artist or band?
1: John Cash. Oh, John yes, C-
0: dude. Love uh, it. And
1: Rolling Stones or The Who.
0: Yep. Very good. Okay.
1: There's some Texas musicians that I love. Robert O'Kane, uh Ray Wiley Hubbard, a fellow by the name of Kevin Russell. He performs the shiny ribs. hmm Yeah. Female artist. Probably. Not probably. Tiny Tucker
0: okay i'm I'm digging it i think you and i we we, we could hang out and have a couple of beers and <laughs> stones, bro. i love the stones i love johnny cash um yeah, we're
1: thinking about doing the stones again here in may
0: oh really cool cool yeah i got to see them once with uh my partner and um my mom and my stepdad which was awesome uh okay getting away from the arts now dusty favorite food
1: I don't know. You don't look like this with just one favorite food. Uh, I'm, I like my enchiladas. You know, I'm a South Ooh. Texas boy. I like yes.
0: enchiladas. I dig it. Um, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road?
1: Mm-mm. I'm I'm the guy that I'll try to find the local places. I hate the chain places. Those are just a last resort. Uh, I try to I try to find the local cuisine. Can't always do that. Well, I can't course. now because I'm not on this, I'm not on the same schedule I was. Yeah. No, there's no just one.
0: Oh, good. That's fair enough. Um, getting away from uh food and and eating. Uh, now we're getting to beverages. Do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? And and if you don't drink, Dusty, just a favorite beverage in general.
1: I I it was uh mm-hmm. I haven't drank a lot in the last couple of years. Like with all the surgeries and then I had gout. Yeah. So once I had gout, I'm like, no, I'm not dying.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, but I still have a Jack Daniels on page.
0: Very nice. I had some last night, actually. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went to a local wrestling show and uh, mm.
1: the,
0: the beer selection was shit and I had to drink Jack Daniels instead. Um. Okay. Second last one here, Dusty. This could mm-hmm. be considered a naughty question, but sometimes we get a meaningful answer. Favorite female body part or attribute? Like, if you if Dusty Wolf sees a good looking lady, what will Dusty Wolf look at first?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've got a bad neck from looking.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's why I am going to surgery. You no, know, yeah, <laughs> that's
1: that's neck after back. Uh,
0: better I said a better
1: answer this properly. <laughs> Uh let's just say i usually start at the, at the butt and work my way up.
0: I'm digging it, bro. I'm an ass man too. And guess what? Mr. Don Morocco is also an ass man. I love to leave that. that. Not that I have anything against the other parts. Oh no, they're, they're all fantastic. But it's you've got to start somewhere. Awesome, bro. <laughs> the last one though. Uh favorite curse word. <laughs> fuck yeah if this was family I'll
1: say I have to stop myself in class
0: <laughs> I
1: get on a roll about really and I have to stop and I can't say
0: that in class you got to stop yourself that's great but like, if this were but family for you to be ding ding
1: ding so that, huh
0: if we asked 100 people
1: love, so long that you, know, you we just said whatever we wanted we didn't care
0: <laughs> and
1: even though I've been in the classroom now for Oh, 15 years. Twelve
0: years. Right. Still got to catch I've yourself.
1: In, I've been in a lab or classroom for 12 years. I've been in the classroom itself for nine. Uh and I have to I have to catch myself for once while so I get on a roll about something. I get to talking and I just <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't smell I got ladies in the room.
0: <laughs> That's great stuff, Dusty. Well Dusty Wolf, this has been so much fun. Um, I really appreciated your time. Uh, I know we've we've gone over the allotted time that I uh, initially suggested, but we've had fun. I made you laugh. You made me laugh. We are now friends, my friend. And uh, (laughs) I I wish you the best of luck uh, with your surgery. And I hope that we can reconvene at some point in the future and uh, continue learning about the journey of One Dusty Wolf. Sounds
1: good. Sounds real good.
0: Well, thank you very much, my friend. And thank all of you up there for joining me and Dusty right here on the Insider's Edge podcast, episode 177. I'm on fire, baby. I just had Dusty walk from the show, yo. And guess what? We'll see you all next time. Thank you.
1: Dusty! Network, that's the way! We who got on my? Dusty! Network, that's the way we play. Get puppies,
0: don't Network, that's the way we play. Get
1: All of the announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network.